Father God, it's a promise that we could say again and again and again. In you, we find our rest. You're in control. Lord, we thank you for that promise based on your word. We thank you that your word is a rock and that it guides our thinking and directs our thoughts and guides our steps, Lord. That because of it, we are able to follow after you securely. And Lord, we just thank you for the fact that you've grasped us. You've held us, Lord, that we're standing still because of you. And Father, we just say, as we gather now around your scriptures, around new promises for some of us, some of them old, that you would renew in us again a fervency and an urgency, Lord, for seeking after you and sharing your goodness with others. We pray in and through the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You can take your seats, folks. Thank you to the team for leading us. And uh, it is great to be gathering around God's Word and just uh, moving and taking a step forward in our The Church We Can Be series. And we commenced that last week uh, when we got things underway. And uh, now we're digging in a little deeper in our second week and talking about our life together. Um, I guess the title of our series indicates that we believe that the church as it exists now, both in this place and around the globe, is not the end. So we haven't reached perfection, uh, we haven't arrived, uh, we haven't um, found the perfect church or the perfect Christian, Uh, we've got the perfect God but uh, he's there, we're here, and uh, uh, we're, we're not quite there. Uh, so uh, Jesus hasn't come back, so we've got some work to do. So we're in this, uh, what they call the in-between times or now and not yet, where the kingdom of heaven is here. Jesus has come, died, rose again and ascended. The Holy Spirit has been sent, but the outworking of the culmination of salvation of humanity, if you like, is still underway. It's still being outworked, even though it's very much arrived. So we are doing two things. And the reason why this, uh, this series works so well in this particular month, we often spend February, uh, if you like, uh, school's gone back, everyone say yay, uh, depending on how old you are. <laughs> And uh, um, so we always spend February, we often use February to cast vision to talk about the life of the church. And if you like to set our course for the next year to come, and we're doing so again this, this month. But this is a special month where at the end of it, we're celebrating the 20th anniversary of the meeting of the Hills Christian Family Centre uh, here in this community. And there's a temptation when you do that some might say, why celebrate the anniversary at all? It should be all about, you know, what's to come and we shouldn't look back at all and, you know, don't, don't spend the time on that. But I think it's actually important to, to put a mark in the ground. Often uh, in the uh, Old Testament when, uh, you know, the men and women of God would have an encounter with God, they would build an altar uh, just of stones heaped up. They wanted to avoid chiselling them so they didn't get into idolatry. It's not the stones that are God, 
but the stones indicated we heard from God in this place at this time. And we're building a memorial to say God spoke to me or to us here or God showed his faithfulness to us at this point. And so when we celebrate an anniversary, when we look back and say it was back then, it's an important part of our life following Jesus that we're able to look back and say this happened back then. Not that we dwell here or stay here or get stuck here, but that we can look back and say that's what happened then. Now, for the individual Christian, I want to just spend a little bit of time on this. We'll get there in a minute. For me, one of those important times in your life is always your baptism. It's always an important time. You know, we say that, okay, usually, uh, um, you know, the baptism doesn't save you. It's your response in faith to Jesus. But it's very much a public statement that I heard from God. That God's, Jesus has called me and I'm now standing in front of people and saying my old life is over, down I go. If you're a really bad sinner, you stay under for longer and then you come up and you rise with Jesus and you say, this is my new life. And it's a signpost, it happened. Depending on the church you're in, you've got a certificate to say this occurred, oh, the minister saw it, I was there. And, and it's, a, it's a signpost in your life where you say this occurred because not long after, nearly everyone who goes through this process, the devil starts to say, did God really say? Did you really hear? What were you thinking? The attacks come. He, 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 the devil stood in front of Jesus and said, did God really say? Stood in front of Eve. Did God really say? Did it really happen? And the attack comes that the past was just an illusion. It was a mistake. You didn't know what you were thinking. It never happened. Why are you here? It's the, it's the attack of the enemy that would question the goodness of God in the past. So we celebrate anniversaries to say, no, that did happen. We are happy that it occurred. We believe in the power of God and the move of the Holy Spirit. And here we are because of that. Is that's a reason to celebrate an anniversary, to say that occurred, God was faithful and he was there. So we're going to do that in a few weeks' time. We're going to hear from Pastor Dave Smythe, our founding pastor, um, Pastor Vil Vasilakis, who uh, oversaw the church planting spirit that led to this particular church being planted. He's going to be with us. It's going to be a great day. The sun's going to be out. The temperature's going to be 28 degrees the barbecue, I know I'm praying through it, and uh, it's going to be great. So um, are you believing for that, church? So we're going to have a great time, and it's going to be an important time when we say, hey, we've hit this anniversary, and we've hit that signpost. But the idea that then we then say, oh, well, the, that was great back then, the best days of the church are behind us, and uh, it's just all downhill from here. We're never going to get into that because... Jesus hasn't finished with his church here or anywhere else. So we will ask the question at this time, we'll not only look back and talk about the faithfulness of God, but we will also say, what is the church that we can be? What is the church that we should be? What is the church you know, that, that God would have us be? And as we ask that question by God's grace, we discover the answer and, and we respond and say, let's go for it. Let's believe for it. Let's be that church in that place. Now, I know many of you have had lots of different church experiences. 
for some of you, this might be the only church you've ever experienced. Many of us have been in maybe two or three different churches. This, this is the third church I've been a part of. My first one was the Flinders Park Church of Christ, where I was there from about 1983 to 1996. And it was the church that I was saved in. It was a church that I was married in. It was a church where my kids were born. And it, it was a, an amazing fellowship where obviously I found Jesus, or he found me probably. Uh, and um, it was wonderful. And as I think back to particular times, there are images in my mind of that place that still today are as bright as ever. I can remember walking out the front uh, in, a, in a service in November 1983 and making a commitment, being baptised, uh, getting married, uh, standing before the church and talking about new you know, missionary endeavours that Judy and I were seeking when we were part of a house church and that type of stuff. So yeah, it was, it was wonderful. Then I was at the Christian Family Centre at Seton from 1997 through to 2015. And that also was a special place. My kids were baptised there. Um, I responded to the call to ministry there. Right when we first got there, we watched as a group of people stood out the front with Pastor Dave Smythe and Narina and said, we're heading for the hills. And we thought, wow, what a step of faith. That sounds exciting. Wonder how that's going to go. And lo and behold, here we are 20 years later with that group of people and others and celebrating the goodness of God at that time. So God is building his church and he leads us to communities of faith. All right, so I don't know whether you noticed or not, but God uh, wants to connect everybody with a faith-filled community of Christians that uh, the New Testament doesn't know anything about Christians floating around on their own. But they're always saved into a group. They were connected to a fellowship. And really, to leave the church was to leave the faith. It was just the idea that you could exist out on your own. They they had no understanding of that whatsoever. So it's important to recognise and to understand the fellowship of the Holy Spirit that draws us into a community and to understand that a role that plays it. So the idea that we can say, well, you know, I'm just going to try things on my own for a while. I'm, I think I can reach my potential without a church, you know, and I'm just going to park myself over here. It, it doesn't exist. Um, if you feel that you've got a call to ministry of whatever it might be or that you've got gifts to give, I don't know whether you noticed or not, but someone needs to receive them. Someone needs to receive the, you know, the ministry. It, it's, it's something that we achieve and move together in. 1 Peter uh, gives us this wonderful picture of what it means to be part of God's group, if you like. And Peter, almost in this attitude of exaltation or, or, or worship, just starts rattling off who the church is that it was called to be. And Peter was doing this in an atmosphere where the, the, the church at that stage was under great pressure. It was maligned and criticised and, and you know, the believers and they were attacked and they would have often been thinking, you know, once we were this, 
you know, once I had this standing in the community, perhaps as a Jew or whatever, now I call myself a follower of Jesus and a Christian and I'm getting uh, attacked and criticised and we're getting pressed, we're getting, you know, robbed and, and, and our economic situation is under pressure and you're really, you know, who are we? And Peter just speaks over them this amazing prophecy or promise he draws phrases from the Old Testament, God's traditional people and says, this is who you are. And I underlined God's special possession because I just want that word and that phrase almost just to hang over you and us. I'd leave it up there all morning if I could. Because I think some of you and I think us as a community never, to, never need to lose sight of the fact that we are God's treasure, that God has gone to enormous trouble to bring the church into existence. Last week we watched that video of uh, <laughs> Prince Frederick watching his bride and he's weeping, weeping over his bride. And I, I believe that was prophetic as Jesus looks at the church that cost him his life coming, into, coming to him and he weeps with joy. He, he counts the cost that he paid and he has no regrets that he brought us into existence, that he brought us into faith and he waits for us to approach him. We sang the song, Jesus is calling us, calling us, come to me, approach me, pray to me, worship me. I want you. I have gone to enormous lengths to, to draw you into relationship and to create you. And this, this verse talks about that, that God, we are his special possession. Uh, and the reason why, this, in this case, is very simple, that we may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. That's pretty simple. What do you like at declaring praises? I mean, you know, do you, do you look for an opportunity to say God is good? Do you look for an opportunity to say, I know the Saviour? I mean, you know, it's pretty simple sometimes. And someone's going, yeah, well, I sing in church. Well, that's great, good, I'm glad you do. But declaring God's praises is a full-time, non-stop, it's an expression of what we choose to do with our life and how we live, it involves our words and it also involves our actions. It's your ministry and mission of the world to point towards and to declare that God is good, that he should be praised. So look, at that's our mission, folks. And it came as we move from darkness and into his wonderful light. So are you excited about that, church? Does anyone ex ex agree with this? Would you like to say, Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. That's great to hear. I'm not preaching to cardboard cutouts, but to flesh and blood, full of the Holy Spirit, accepting this, your destiny. How did I get here? What am I doing here? You're doing that. That's your mission in ministry in life. That's why we meet in this place. That's why we pay the rent. That's why we serve. That's why we look back and say, it happened back then, and we look forward and say, and we're believing for more in Jesus' name. Because if it's not that glorious, quite frankly, I'll go home and watch the Davis Cup and the Strikers win today. But instead, I'd rather be declaring that 
I'd rather watch the replay tomorrow. I mean, I'd rather not worry about it. That's what it's about, folks, to declare that God is good, to have the living God and saviour of the world reveal himself to us and us to stand together and say, we know the good God. We know the one that saves. That's why we're here, folks. That's why the Hills Christian Family Centre exists. And that's why we ask the question, what is the church that we can be? Now, I want to spend a little time this morning looking at uh, the great sermon that the Apostle Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. An amazing moment in the life of the church recorded for us in Acts chapter 2, not only for posterity, (laughs) but also so that we might reflect on the truth of the life that we've been called to and uh, so that we could know uh, what we might expect or aim for or look for as we gather together as a church community. And this description of the life together, it's the name of our message today and we're going to look at that, uh, starts with a call to repentance. Now, many of you are very familiar with this passage out of the NIV. I've used the translation today from the message which uses slightly more modern language, still retains the meaning and gives it to us. And As Peter proclaimed and explained the story of Jesus Christ, his death, his resurrection, uh, the people asked him in response, what should we do about it? Great question to ask. Hearing the love of God, hearing about Jesus Christ, hearing about how he died for people's sins, he wants to set them free to a new life. Great question to ask, what should we do about it? And Peter just opens up and goes for it and says, change your life. The word, original word is repent, which means change your mind, change your life, turn from this, turn to that. And says, turn to God, be baptised. Again, recalling that great signpost that it would become in people's lives. Each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins are forgiven. What a promise. The sins, oh, the things, folks, At times we think, doesn't it happen to you? It seems to happen more when you get older sometimes. Why did I say that? Why did I do that? Why did I make that decision? Sometimes the weight can be unbearable except for the forgiveness and the release of the power of God and the love of Jesus Christ. How we all are in need of grace. The, The wrong things that we have done, the wrong things that have been done to us, Jesus breaks the power of them through the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for that release. I receive it in Jesus' name. Uh, So that your sins are forgiven. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is targeted to you and your children, but also to all who are far away, which was a metaphor, I guess, not for those that were in the next suburb, uh, but, but those who were considered of no interest or value to God, the traditional Jewish, well, we are God's chosen people and they're not. But Peter rewrites the script, or in fact, he affirms what was prophesied and promised in the Old Testament for long ago, but was often overlooked by God's people, and says, this isn't just for, you know, you are here for this gathering, you Jews, but this is for everyone, everyone, who would hear and receive this? Whomever, in fact, our master God invites. Do you like receiving invitations? Do you like being invited to parties? 
I don't know if you're a party person or not, but, you know, it's always special, isn't it? You get the special envelope uh, and uh, you open it up. Oh, look, you know, we've been invited to such and such a wedding or whatever it is. It's always uh, encouraging. Judy and I got invited to a colleague's 50th birthday last Saturday night, a guy that I worked with at the news newspaper. May God rest its soul. <laughs> the, I think it was the, sec, the last or the second to last afternoon newspaper in Australia. But my first workplace. And uh, he had his 50th birthday. It's that time of life for all of us. And we got invited along. Loved to be there. We knew nobody except for the, the guest of honour and his wife because he hadn't invited anyone else from his media mates because it just made it too big. But anyway, it was nice to be invited, wasn't it, Jude? We did our best. We talked to people, talked to a woman who told us she was a Buddhist and another guy who said he was a failed Catholic. Wherever we go, we have to share and talk about that, which is fantastic. So it was good to engage with them. But anyway, the invitation is good, isn't it? Every human being has an invitation. Every, no one can say, no one cares about me. No one loves me. No one wants me to come to their party. God wants everyone to come to his party. Never let anyone think, I don't have an invitation. Tell them about the invitation that God the Father has for them. You are invited, say to them. You are required. First, come to church this Sunday and then accept and believe and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Everyone has an invitation. So Peter starts this big, uh, this description that follows begins, if you like, with repentance. And then it says he went on in this vein for a long time. All right, so I don't know how long that is. Paul preached all night once. Someone was so enthralled they fell out the window and died. But thankfully he went down and prayed for them. They were okay. So I'm not going all day today, but Peter preached for a long time, urging them over and over, get out while you can, get out of this sick and stupid culture. Interesting rendering of that. The day, that day, about 3,000 took him at his word. They believed him and were baptised and signed up. They committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles. Now this is when having accepted Jesus Christ and having received the gift of the Holy Spirit, having been baptised in water, Dr Luke then starts to say, this is what they did. They they then stepped into the community life of the church and this is what happened. This was their life together. Firstly, they committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles. The first thing they wanted to do was what is God saying to us through his servants? What is the proclamation of the word to us? Jesus is no longer here physically. We sense the power of the Holy Spirit, but what's the spoken word over us through the guys that heard him first speak and teach? Proclaim it to us again. Tell me the old, old story. Say it to me again, the loving and saving power of God. We want to know. This is why you're listening to another sermon. Again, what are you up to in your personal life? You're keeping account. 1,585. I don't know, it's like batting in cricket. We go on, it's like Steve Smith. Another sermon, another run. What's your total? Do you resent having to listen to another one? Is it, oh no, here he goes again? What is it? 
Are you committed to the proclamation of God's word above your life? Are miracles happening to you now? This is the old, old story, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, it's renewed in you each time you hear it. It's God's power at work in your life, renewing you as it's spoken over you. You are receiving a gift from God. They were committed. They were learning. They were growing to the proclamation of the word and the commission the teaching the apostles over them. Secondly, they were committed to the life together, to fellowship. You are here. You have prioritised it today. You have made this an appointment. You've said no to the Davis Cup. You've said no to the strike. No, you might have time to watch that later on. I don't know what else you could have done on a Sunday. I was driving up the hill. There's people riding down it. They're going faster than we're going up. And I'm thinking, they won't have time to get back to church. I'm trying to see if I recognise them. Is that David Rax? He's on, he's on PA this morning. He's going in the... Oh, it's not him. He, he won't have time to get back up the hill. It'll take him twice as long. Others aren't prioritising the fellowship. They don't know about it or they've decided to do something else. But you're here this morning saying the people of God are gathering in this place. I will be there. God bless you. That's the life together. Secondly, the common meal which is a euphemism in that case for communion. In other words, the gathering of worship and the prayers. They prayed. Those four things I'm going to highlight in a moment time. Everyone around was in awe, all those wonders and signs being done through the apostles and all the believers lived in a wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and pooled their resources so that each person's need was met. Wow, amazing. And I know many of you are aware of the needs of others and do this and and think of others, but that's a sacrifice. That requires a decision, that kind of life. And I know that there's been many expressions of generosity in the life of the Hills Christian Family Centre. But when we read it like that, it's confronting and it encourages us. It's not just, oh, I have my little life and I step in here and I step out there. But it's how does that affect us? A wonderful harmony. Wow. Saying living in unity as a church is a beautiful gift and we're tested in it at times, but that's the call. And, of course, miraculous sign is one. We believe in the power of prayer. We pray for people here every week. We, uh, Carol uh, passes on through those that are on the prayer chain and answer to prayer and we say, look at that. Thank you, Jesus. That's why we prayed. It's a wonderful time of celebration when God answers prayer. We believe. Someone comes into this place and they say, I have this concern whether they're a long-term member or a newbie. This is happening, that's happening. One of our responses should be, somewhere in this gathering, we will pray. Now. Oh, we're standing in the foyer. Who cares? What are we here for if it's not to anoint each other with the power of prayer? It's part of our heritage. We're called to do it. So so let's prioritise that in every way, before, after, during, as we do that together. And then it finishes up. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home. They came together, but they also met later. Every meal of celebration, exuberant and joyful. Sounds like being at the Moors place. As they praise God. People in general liked what they saw. Every day their number grew and God added those who were saved. 
powerful picture, isn't it, of what it looks like to be together in God's family and God's community. So Luke tells us that repentance, water baptism and baptism of the Holy Spirit are important first steps for our new beginning in Christ. That's the starting point. So we're not a club. You don't come and and recite something and sign, but you join by being born again. (laughs) That's how you're part of God's church. You turn from and turn to, you experience the power of the Holy Spirit and then you're in. You've joined. That's it. It's supernatural. It's born again power. And that's how you become part of the church. But he does highlight those four indispensable habits. And I'm just going to leave them up there for a little minute and get you to reflect and absorb these for a few moments time. And we're going to do some personal assessment here today. I've got an even longer list coming up when we're just going to reflect on these things and say, how am I going with my habits in these areas? What would I point to in my weekly life that would represent those four things? Where are they happening in the way that I live where I could say, that's an expression of that? And and folks, we're holding the word up to all of ourselves today. Oh, wow. Thank you. Okay, excuse me. So they're the four things that we've been challenged with. Now, um, the church we can be, uh, when we look at those things and, and when we reflect on in what sense are they true of myself personally, in what sense are they true of us as a gathering, and... The fact that, yes, we do talk about and we highlight often um, the expression of those things and often our immediate thought turns to, well, how do I do it? And that's important. Obviously, fellowship uh, is um, something that we do with others. So the idea that, oh, there you go, I'm fellowshipping on my own. (laughs) Fellowship with the Holy Spirit, of course, but... You know, the idea is that we're with others. But you'll see those other things are often best done and, quite frankly, are more rewarding when they're done together. And um, this series is based on uh, a book called The Church We Can Be, which I'm drawing from, written by Pastor Bill Vasilakis. He's going to tell us some more about that when he's with us in a few weeks' time. But I got this quote. Oh, what did I do with it? There it is that I really just wanted to challenge you with and encourage you with out of it here today. Only in the living community of a local group of Christ followers can personal growth and ministry development occur in a balanced, effective and healthy way. And that is our encouragement. The fact that you're here is a good start. You, You acknowledge that in some way. But being part of this together is that we're going to do it together. Later today, um, our... Most of our Connect Group leaders are going to gather for lunch at uh, Montagna Cafe um, and then we're going to go together and have a time of encouragement and training and learning together um, and we feel that that's something important to do for our Connect Group leaders to equip them and encourage them to pray for them and we're looking forward to having a time of fellowship and learning 
uh, and prayer and worship together this afternoon. When that finishes, for those who can and who are available, we're going to then pray together. Why do we have a prayer meeting? Why don't we just pray at home on our own? Because Jesus said, when two or three are gathered together in my name, we experience him in a different way at that point. That he's there, he's present in a different way. So that's why we gather together in that way. Now, let's do a, a, it's time for a, if you like, what we might call a checklist. But I've broken down those four devotional habits into even more detail and come up with a list of what you might call nine fruits of fellowship and devotion. So for you note takers, that's going to be a challenge Just get started now. We'll leave it up for a little while because we're going to all read through it together and do some reflection on it, both ourselves and together. So you can see the references on the right. That's from Acts chapter 2, each of those verses. And we come up with this list that as that passage that we read is talking about the life together, these are some things that we can draw from that in greater detail that the community had a deep reverence for the things of God. So there was, there was a, you know, a respect and an awe, talked about them being in awe. They were in awe about the activity of God amongst them. They were in awe about the activity of God in the world. They were in awe of the fact that they'd been included and that, that God had spoken and that you know, the, the, the mission and ministry was out being outworked through Jesus Christ. They had miraculous ministry. They were dedicated uh, to unity, which then released their collective strengths. They needed each other in order to, to express themselves and their ministry calling. They were materially generous, which revealed how selfless and loving they had become. Uh, they saw themselves as full-time Christians and part-time everything else. They were together in the temple. They were together at home. They were worshipping together and reaching out to others. They met in large group gatherings and also in small groups. They were known for their joyful, authentic and hospitable way of life. They were dependent on God and thankful to God. They were respected by their non-Christian neighbours. And finally, they experienced a God-ordered growth pattern as new people were giving their lives over to Jesus and joining the church on a daily basis. So we can... We can look at that list and, and, and build a picture of what uh, life was like for the early church. Wow, just like that. Now, I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, OK, I'm now going to assess you according to that list. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> some of you just, some of you, your heart stopped. You're looking down the list thinking, I've only got three of these. Now, just before we do an assessment, we need to take Jesus' approach. This time it really is me first. Jesus said, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you fail to see that you've got a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Please raise your hand if you've finished taking the plank out of your own eye. Right up high, you can finish the sermon. Okay. It's interesting, isn't it? Because when you read that, you think, am I even qualified to help anyone with their speck? You know, if none of us have finished, 
Do we truly judge and assess anyone else because of that? It's an interesting call, isn't it? So you need to start with yourself, folks, when it comes to that list. And I just want you to reflect on that for a moment, to look at that just before we close our message here today. Um, because we need to start with the me first approach. However, it's also good to ask ourselves as a church, how do we measure up to that particular list at the moment? How do we look as we're reflecting on this signpost looking back and also asking what the future looks like or should look like, what does it look like for us? What is it gonna, how does our church measure up to that list at the moment? And I think there's no doubt there are some things that we are doing well and that we've done well uh, for many years here at the Hills. But the truth is also that we can do better in those areas. And in order to draw to that, I would simply invite you to do something this month, always really, but certainly now. And to not only say, well, how can I contribute to that atmosphere in this church and I really want to encourage you with the fact that Jesus did call us to pray. Now, many are thinking, well, of course we'd pray about it. That's not very scientific. What does that mean? But Jesus challenged us and there are so many great passages and I want you to understand that all of that life that we just described in that list is supernatural. It's a miracle. So it's got to have prayer somewhere in there. And sometimes our temptation is, oh, you know, things are a bit flat at church and, you know, they're not not very exciting. And, you know, gee, it's all a bit, you know, it's all a bit low, really. And look at that list and, gee, I don't know if we can tick any of them. And, you know, we're in this sort of, oh, well, you know, my life's a bit ordinary and church's a bit ordinary and, uh, you know, I don't know what's happening. Mumble, 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 mumble. And it's like, well, okay, can we stop the mumble there and can we now switch into asking God for those things that you feel our church community needs, that you yourself need to see in your life and start to speak the power of God over yourself and over your church community. Can can we actually switch to that? Now, folks, I understand mumbling and grumbling. (laughs) We, We all struggle with that at times, but somewhere we've got to say, but yet I believe and I have faith for that. And, and Jesus was so bold in the promises he's made. These promises about prayer, like he, 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 he really took a big risk, either that or he knew it was true when he said it. I'm believing for the second. Truly I tell you, if anyone says this mountain, go through yourself in the sea, does not doubt in his heart, believes what they've said will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received that and it will be yours. Wow. Now, that's not the only time he said it. Every gospel has some promise from Jesus in relation to prayer. And this is another one from John. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Jesus now is in the presence of the Father. He's praying for this church as we speak. He's praying for you as we speak. He's interceding for his precious possession. You think, well, I'm just such and such. No, you've taken the name of Jesus. 
You've called on the name of the Father. Jesus is praying for you right now. He's praying for this church community. He's gone and he's sent the Holy Spirit to all of us. We're not dependent on the physical presence of Jesus here today. So he boldly says we can do even more than what he did. Incredible. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. There it is again. He ought to stop saying that. (laughs) He really ought to hold back a bit in that unequivocal promise of prayer. We might get a bit carried away with ourselves and believe him and start calling out to him. One of the complaints of God in the Old Testament, he said, why hasn't anyone burdened me with prayer? Why did you not come and intercede in the gap for yourselves, for these people? Where's the prayer chamber for this matter? All I hear is complaining and no one's praying in faith to me based on that promise. And I'll do whatever you ask for my name. Why? So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Just a quick reminder, anything in my name doesn't mean tack the name of Jesus onto the end of it. I wish for a Kia Stinger in Jesus' name, you beauty. Where is it? It means to pray in accordance with the word of God spoken over our lives, to pick up the things that he wants and employ them in prayer and speak them over our community, our family, our life, our faith. Folks, yes, we might lack, we might struggle, but we've got an invitation that's as clear as anything to speak them over our lives. Why don't we take that up now and pray for the life together in this place. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads and do that right now. Father God, we thank you for calling us out of darkness and into wonderful light. We thank you for the day that we believed and said yes to you and received your Holy Spirit and were baptised into your family and into the faith. We had a life, Lord, that was previous and prior and now we have a life that is glorious and given by you. And Father, we look at the early life of the church and the fellowship and Father, we are both wistful but we are also prayerful at this point and say, Lord, as this community stands on its 20th anniversary eve, renew in our times the work of your hands. Do not allow us to accept for a minute that we've seen all that's going to be seen here, nothing else to see here. May, may that never be our confession and our profession, but instead, Lord, may we believe and receive your good grace in this place. We are bold enough to ask for more salvations. We're bold enough to ask for more miracles here today. We're bold enough to ask for a new place to call our own where we can travel like your chosen people did through the desert to that space and say this is where we've been placed to do our will and to do your will, Lord, and to work your ways. This is what we desire in Jesus' name. Father, renew in us the urgency and the energy of the Holy Spirit. 
Help us to commit to these devotional habits. Help us to commit to each other. Sacrifice, tender care, wonderful unity, Lord. May that be our expression here at the Hills Christian Family Centre. And Lord, we pray for those who haven't yet been baptised, who haven't yet said that they're your children. Father, may they also join us, those who are sitting here this morning and yet to make that decision. We encourage them, Lord. Say yes in Jesus' name. Turn from your old life. Change your mind about God and yourself and become his child in Jesus' name. This is our prayer and our desire, Lord. Father, fill us with vision. The same vision that 70 people stood in front of another church 20 years ago and said, we're going up there. Lord, may we know the same harvest, the same energy and the same desire as we come to this 20-year mark. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Folks, if we're going to end on prayer, we've got to allow some time for prayer. So I invite you all now to get to your feet. We're going to worship together. We're going to declare God's goodness and God's praise. But we're also going to open up the front. And I don't know what you need prayer about this morning. Maybe it's something related to this, something for our church, something for someone else. I'm not sure. Uh, But whatever it is, I'm going to ask the prayer ministry team to come down the front right away. And we just want to pray for you. Maybe you're standing in the gap for someone else. But whatever it is, as we worship now, come forward. Let us pray for you in Jesus' name. Get to your feet, folks. Let's worship together, but also... Let's pray at the same time in Jesus' name.